0: Welcome to this talk from the Kanando Zen Meditation Center. Located in Mountain View, California, Kanando's meditation practice is open to the public. For more information, or to get in touch with us, you can visit our website at canando.org. That's K A N N O N D dot O-R-G.
1: So, uh, good evening everybody. Um... Today, I'm doing a talk, which um, the title of it is called Diving In. Um, when my brothers and I were little kids, our parents would send us out of the city <laughs> summertime to get away from the horrendous heat of the city, and we went into a camp in upstate New York. Uh, the camp was on a large lake, and it uh, was surrounded by woods we learned how to swim, how to row boats, how to paddle canoes. We learned to play sports. So it was just a, a really wonderful gift for city kids to experience. And uh, I love to swim and I took pretty easily to water. I had always entered um, the ocean uh, or our camp's lake by walking in until the water was like up to my chest or something and then just sort of swanning on into it. And uh, I would enter a pool just by, you know, climbing onto the little ladder, you know, of of going down a a rung and then swimming into it. So I really had, I had no experience of diving. (laughs) Um, So uh, when I was about eight or nine years old, my camp group of girls was set to do um, a water ballet display in our little lake swimming area. In the lake, there was a a sort of a a pier and a a, a section sectioned off where you could swim. So um, there was a parents visiting day coming up. And so we had learned this water ballet and practiced it and practiced it. And at practice the day before the event Um, we were lined up on this long, very high pier, like about six feet or so above the water. And um, we were told, well, you're going to enter the water by diving in one by one. And I thought, I don't dive. (laughs) I don't know how. How do you go about this? (laughs) So uh, the the counselor um, started and started off the row and most of the kids either sort of belly flopped or dived or did whatever they could as as a dive and when it came to my turn I was kind of flummoxed so I just jumped I just jumped in and the counselor I had never dived into a body of water from an elevated place and I was kind of afraid of you know your head gets underwater, could you take in water? Would you be, you know, I had no no clue as to what was going to happen. So the counselor coaching us said, Oh, don't worry, honey, when your turn turn comes at the day of the event, you'll just dive in. Don't worry about it. She placed me last in the line so I could maybe get some courage from the others, or maybe not embarrass them too badly <laughs> by being in the middle of the eye of the line. So the next day at the event, each of the other girls dove into the water and swam into our the circle uh, that our dance would start from. But I still couldn't bring myself to dive head first from that height. So I just jumped, splush, <laughs> and I swam into the circle to begin our routine. I heard some of the parents chuckle, but even embarrassment would not have made me do what I felt was just, I I just wasn't prepared to do. Mm -hmm. So um, I would, um, I didn't want to miss the, you know, I didn't want to miss the the main part of the event, which was to do our coordinated ballet well. Um, I would have liked to have felt, I, I would have liked to have felt confident by learning how to dive well before the event. Well, I never did take up diving, though. I did later in life take up flying and I learned to fly and got my pilot's license. I also did scuba diving on a holiday in Hawaii and also experienced zip lining over a 2,200 foot chasm in Hawaii over a, a riverbed. And I loved it. <laughs> so while I never became experienced at aquatic diving, I have managed to at least expand both my experience of diving in, in the medium of air, and in the medium of water with a breathing mask. (laughs) So now, this journey of my life has taken me to Zen practice. And I admit that at first, it was not something that I wanted to dive into. The intention developed slowly over the course of eight or nine years, I guess. Umar and I uh, were both interested in Buddhism when he found Kanando in 2006, and he began to practice here. I came over to do some photography for the new website, and I felt the appeal of the place, the teacher, the community, and I began to come and sit on Saturdays. I loved the simple beauty of the Zendo, and the, the sound of the bells and I enjoyed the lovely courtyard the trees and shrubs that have been planted around the the property and the possibilities of the large backyard space were intriguing to me as well. As I got to know less and the community I wanted to find ways to help and contribute to the group effort. Little by little, I began to make time in my life to join the activities of the community, including sessions, Saturday morning service, and garden work days. In this way, I entered the community and gratefully became a part of it. Some eight or nine years later, my practice told me that the time was right, and I asked Les if I could sew a rakasū this was the beginning of my path to ordination, and it would not have come to me before my inner voice had said to me, I'm ready, dive in now. Maybe for some, t- for some it's easy to dive in head first. Well, I know it must be easy for some, but my spirit had required inspiration and deep resolve and joyful acceptance. It was a leap of faith into unknown territory for me. This merciful ocean of the Buddha way, as said in the repentance (laughs) sutras. Um, But through the practice, I've learned to trust my heart and my inner wisdom. And I feel gratitude for the wisdom and support of my teacher and my sangha. Deep bows and thanks to you, Les K. and the Sangha of Kanando, for creating, caring for, and sharing this inspiring place of practice. So have any of the rest of you had experiences of having to dive in (laughs) and being unsure of how you would handle it? Please share if you do. Diane?
2: Thanks, Lee. That was a a really beautiful talk. Um, Well, I admire you for diving in. Um, It it takes courage and commitment and listening to your inner voice. Um, Hmm. I've I've been showing up for, several years and i'm still tiptoeing around the pool i feel like i haven't really dived in in terms of sewing a -a rakasu or becoming ordained um it just hasn't felt like it's right for me for some reason and i'm not sure why and i don't want to just do it because everyone else is doing it um so i just keep showing up and sitting and let my practice inform me and and guide me and inspire me. And um, that's kind of where I am. So um, maybe one day I'll dive in, either feet first or head first or or whatever.
1: Well, you know, I I really, you know, I, I felt exactly the same way that, you know, what you're expressing now. I felt, you know, I really loved the practice but I wasn't ready, and, mm-hmm. and then this is what I think it is with this practice. It's you know it's a very deep thing, and uh, until something inside you says it's time, or you know I am ready, um, I I wouldn't suggest to anybody that they rush into something that they're they're not sure of because it's a deep mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I totally feel what you're saying yeah it's weird though because it's not that I'm not dedicated to the practice or committed it's just taking that public step or those visible um external manifestations like a rakasu or a rope um maybe I haven't found the true meaning of those external things yet so we'll see I, I think
1: that when I think when you have to listen to your own inner voice, right? Yeah, that's the important thing. Yeah, Thank you Diane. Thank you, Candy.
4: Hi. Um, You know, I've uh, like like Diane. I've danced around the idea for a long time and when i gave a talk some months ago about the robe um and the shoe, i realized i i wasn't there yet and it was a realization i i wanted to know more and the talk allowed me <laughs> the chance to really dig deeply into what the robe meant and the buddha's teaching and um I still dance and I still wonder, maybe someday, but, um, and I want to say something else. When you jumped into the pool to do your ballet, that was so visual to me. I loved it. It was, I I know it brought the house down and it was just the right thing. And I know you were probably mortified, but it was great. It was a great visual of just jumping in, it was great yeah it's a,
1: you know you're you're a shy little girl, and you know you do what you have been taught how to do, but I, I didn't know how you know how I couldn't fake it. <laughs> Just, uh, so I did the only thing I could do. Yeah. I didn't miss out on the on the water ballet. <laughs> Thanks, Candy. Dave.
0: Thanks for your talk, Lee. Thanks for sharing that very vivid childhood experience. I, I must say, I've never thought about or heard of the notion of water ballet in a lake. I think the combination of the the, the sort of formal style of water ballet and the, and the natural setting of a lake is really quite charming. Uh, but uh, I've always just thought, oh, of course, water ballet always takes place in a pool. So that, that's yeah.
1: interesting. Well, that's the, 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 there was a, a kind of a, a fenced off area of the lake that was our swimming area. That's where we mm-hmm. had learned to swim. And, and, you know, that's where we could do that water ballet because it wasn't enclosed. It was enclosed on three sides. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, the, the thing I just wanted to remark on is uh, it, it's interesting to hear your description and Diane's description and, and what other people are saying about, you know, we all have sort of a different definition of of what constitutes scary diving in for us. Uh, I, I certain, When I was a kid, uh, I went to a junior high school that, for historical reasons, had a huge, very elaborate swimming pool complex. And... Uh, One of the things that was required each year was that we do a more and more elaborate dive to pass physical education. So we do a front dive and then we do a back dive and we had to do a front flip and all of this stuff uh, just as a normal part of of physical education. And I found that quite disconcerting. I made myself do it, but uh, I was not comfortable with it. And uh, I had a friend who was extremely comfortable with the whole thing. The reason being that he had been going to a rather crowded public pool where practicing swimming, you were always bumping into people and it was very crowded. But the area by the high dive, I mean the high dive, wasn't very crowded. And so what he would do would be to go in there and jump off. He wasn't really very good at swimming. He was quite young at the time, and his father would stand on the edge with the sort of emergency pole and just fish every time. And so he got to the point where, I mean, there were certainly things in his life, I'm sure, that challenged him in the same way that uh, you, you and I have talked about how diving into the water is rather challenging. But diving into the water was not one of those things for him. Yeah. And uh, he became very uh, skilled later in his life in gymnastics and pole vaulting and all sorts of stuff that involves flying through the air in odd positions. so I guess we all have our challenges
1: that's great yeah I think you know we we kind of take to some things almost immediately when we're kids and other things you know we we just have we have fears about it or, or whatever it is I just I could not stand up you know like six feet above the surface of the water and imagine putting my head down into you know like jumping off and putting my head down into it. Still haven't learned how to do that. Maybe I ought to to take some lessons and try to overcome that. But it was, you know what it is, it's really um, everything that scares us is like that. You know, everything that requires us to do something just out of our comfort zone, we really, really do shy away from. So, you know, uh, I guess I, I took other other risky hobbies up that, you know, that I didn't feel, you know, the same visceral uh, feeling of, you know, don't, I I could never do
3: that. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thanks, Dave. Has anybody else ever had a kind of a phobia like that? Oh, Philip, did you want to speak? Thanks for your
5: talk, Lee. Um, it really—I um, was really glad somehow that you didn't—you weren't pushed into diving or trying to dive head first into, you know, having never uh, done it before. I remember when I was—I don't know how old you were, When I was eight or ten, I was at a at a camp at a lake and uh, on a hike. Uh, one of the counselors took us on a hike up. at This called um, this peak was called the Devil's uh, Devil's Asshole, <laughs> and uh, it had a uh, kind of a talus, As we got to the top, toward the top, it had this. Tailless chute of of gravel that funneled down into a, into a, uh, over a cliff. And um, we were supposed to be walking on this trail across this tailless chute to the other side. And there were two of us, the two youngest, were really afraid. Um, You know, your mind imagines just sliding down and um and we were finally i don't remember how uh you know forced to cross it but uh i was thinking about your your um choosing not to to be pressured into doing something that didn't feel safe to you and and how um there is kind of a maybe an idiot macho ideology or something that you know, if you just do it, um, you'll, uh, like Nike, yeah, just do it. Um, but if there was something there that uh, I didn't learn from that experience uh, at all. I just, I, uh, I felt like it, it sort of reinforced whatever phobia I had about heights. or, And uh, so I think that was really a brave thing that you, your little girl self did jumping in.
1: Well, thank you, and thanks for sharing that scary experience with us. I, I can imagine that that would have imprinted pretty pretty deeply on you. And uh, it it you know I mean for me it just was I I knew that I love loved to swim and I I loved doing the the water ballet. It was it was you know a fun thing for me, but. Nobody had, you know, I, when I signed up, nobody told me I was gonna have to go off a pier and head first into water. And I wasn't ready for it. I just I didn't feel I had any preparation, you know. Maybe if a counselor had, you know, worked with me a little bit, you know, starting at, you know, in in the pool itself, you know, just put your head down and, and you know, go down to the bottom or something like that, and, you know, maybe I would have worked up the, the feeling that it was okay. But um, just out of the box like that? No, I I, I just didn't think that. I, I, I thought that okay, uh, I'll look I'll look stupid jumping in after everybody else has has dived. But it would look a lot more stupid if something had you know if I had you know had some kind of accident or you know injury from it. So you know I I, I think I just took the <laughs> the, the easier the easier bad outcome, the less bad outcome, you want to put it that way. Oh,
3: hi, Megan, go ahead.
1: Are you unmuting yourself? Yes, I'm unmuting myself. Well, <laughs>
2: I, I know you described that campaign thing, which was very beautiful about how you jumped in, but this time you did dive in You
4: dove into the zendo and you dove into sewing a rakasu and you so dove into becoming the president. So uh, what made
1: the difference? Right. You know, I think. um, I think when you're a kid, you know, you get a lot of your messages about what you can and can't do from external sources. And. As you, you know, you go through life, you know, we all go through really some really horrible experiences, you know, great losses and grief, um, some triumphs and successes. But I think as you become, as you grow up, you kind of begin to realize that you can have a certain inner confidence that, you know, while you can't do everything well, you know, you just kind of get a confidence that I'm going to give it my best shot and I'm going to try, you know, um, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, like Philip was saying, I'm not going to slide down the slide and go off a mountain, you know, <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't want to kill myself. Uh, you know, I, I can take, uh, um, you know, uh, things that are risky, but, you know, I, I, I'm prepared you know, I'm prepared to do, prepared to go through. I mean, you know, Diane goes to a dance class and she, you know, she does all these different kinds of dances and, you know, maybe she doesn't always feel like I was born to do this (laughs) or not, but, you know, she has the courage to to try and make an effort and and do that. And I think we all have things that, you know, if something really appeals to you, you want to give it a shot. You want to you want to try and learn how, you know, as long as you don't think it's certain death. <laughs> I hope it isn't certain death
3: <laughs> to be more. Involved in the... No, I know it's not I'm <laughs> uh, Well thank you. Thank you thanks Megan.
1: Does any does anybody else have some experiences that you could that kind of got called to mind by that that you might want to share?
3: Well, (laughs) yes, Diane.
2: I guess I'm curious to know the process that you went through or what the difference is when you hear an internal voice that you just respond to sort of spontaneously. You know, sometimes when we make decisions about things, we think about them and think about them and talk to a lot of people about it and we write about it. sometimes things just seem right. They seem correct. They just seem, yes, you know, you just say yes to it. What, what do you think that is? Is it? Is it? Is it just some inner voice that you finally have confidence in listening to? Or? Um, Do you not overthink it anymore? Do you just trust your heart, your inner, your intuition? I'm just curious about your process where and the bigger decisions that you made, not diving into a pool, but (laughs) bigger life decisions.
1: Well, I think it's, you know, from from sitting, from sitting in meditation, um, we just tap into I mean, we really are connected to all things, you know, and that, that is what we're practicing. We're practicing that connection to all beings, to everything. And sometimes, I don't know, it's, it's not always, but sometimes you just, you know, if you're working on a problem of how should I handle this, or is this, is this the right thing for me? I think sometimes you, you do begin to, it's not a verbal thing, but you can begin to get a feeling, this feels right. And with the practice um, for me, I mean, I was just, you know, I was just going and, and meditating just like everybody else. And, and as I said, I, you know, I really loved the community. I, I wanted to be able to help, you know, out with things that I felt I could do. But um, I I think that sitting takes a while to sort of percolate in into our our being. You know, I mean, it's just it's hard to it's hard to find the words to express. But it's just like sometimes um, you just you do have a feeling of what's the right thing to do, and very often we kind of ignore those little intuitions and maybe sitting kind of accustoms us to just being quiet enough to listen, you know, to to hear our own inner voice. In the case of of ordination, um, I don't know, sometime after, um, I just kind of started having this very, very peaceful, feeling for the first time in my life, you know, life is crazy for us all. We have all kinds of good things and bad things that happen to us. We, we have to figure out a lot of convoluted stuff. And I just kind of felt peaceful. And, um, and when I, when I sat with it, I felt that it was, it was the practice that was beginning to, to work in, in me in its own way. You know, so um, I I don't think I can give anybody else advice on that score because I think we each have our own ways of connecting um, to our to our own inner voice and um, I just the only thing that I I can say is that I really think that meditation helps I think that. You know without you actually knowing that it's working on you it is working on you and um and if you if you give it a chance and listen listen to it i think you will know your own inner voice a little bit better thank you thank you diane does anybody uh have perhaps any brief experiences that they they felt <laughs> or they had to make a snap decision? <laughs> well, it's Brenda. Um, Hi, I, I was, I was a, I'm sorry, I don't have a video where I am here, um, but um, I just wanna, so I, I don't, I think I've had a few experiences of having to jump in, um, but but today, I I just want to really appreciate and applaud your jumping in, um, <laughs> and uh, into into the the you know dharma and into becoming president. And uh, I, for one, am super appreciative of your efforts and your showing up um, for for all of us. Um, so I just want to say thank you. Well, thank you too, Brenda. I mean, really, I, I I give so much credit to the Sangha for, you know, for helping me to get to this point because, you know, it, it really was the community. Um, it was, the community was one of the major things that drew me in to the practice itself. It was just, there's so many nice people and, you know, so many smart and intelligent and kind people here. And, you know, it it kind of, Gave me a confidence that that this was a good practice. So, uh, and you were, you know, one of the the first people that I, you know, that I befriended and and had a chance to talk with. So I, I thank you. for thank back you. at you
3: <laughs> for Thanks. being here. You
1: know. Thank you.
0: This talk was brought to you by the Kanando Zen Meditation Center in Mountain View, California. For more information or to support this podcast, go to Canando.org. That's K-A-N-N-O-N-D-O dot